Welcome back to the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, a part of the IDP Army Podcast Network. I am coming to you a month out from the draft. So this week on the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, we're going to do a little thing that we did last year. It's called Draft Debates. We are going to debate the top two at each position and see whether you know, it's better for in-game football or fantasy football, but we just got to try to find out who is the best for each individual team and who is going to be the best for your fantasy team come Dynasty Draft season. But first, let's tell you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am glad to have you in here. This is exciting times for the draft, I will tell you. Um, got like The pro days are starting to come in hot and heavy. We've gotten to see players that did not get to perform at the uh, combine are actually getting to perform themselves, which is quite interesting. Um, I kind of don't – I mean, I'm not a huge pro day fan just because those workouts are literally tailored to make – each player the best one um the more interesting things that come out of those are like getting to see players that were injured actually get to run like just watching how they run or if they like that kind of thing is interesting to me but like you know the quarterbacks are gonna look amazing like if you know i can't wait for field gates and all them to show out a video of like will levis throwing a long bomb at kentucky and it's like okay well cool <laughs> i mean didn't do it during the season didn't necessarily do it that much at the combine so i don't, I don't know kind of taking that with a grain of salt um but it was exciting to see like sean tucker he didn't get to perform at the combine so it's cool to see like him get to run actually um as a running back so that is pretty exciting um but today we're gonna do debates so we did this last year we took the top two players at each position this year i have top three at some positions because I think the rate like it's it's razor thin between the top two three like uh, we need to talk about all three of them. But this one, let's just start with the quarterbacks. I think that's the most interesting place to start. Um, there's pros and cons at each position, and I'm going to try to determine a winner. But I don't know if mine's going to be the consensus, so we'll see. Um, Bryce Young, we'll start with him first. I'm I'm. Not as in love with Bryce Young as I was uh, during the season. Um, I know that, like, once you watch him on film, the problem for me is that, A, what he did at the Combine was so shockingly different from what he was during the season. Um, Look, he put on enough weight to make him very interesting for the draft, but the thing is is he's not going to play it that way. There's just no way. I don't see how a player that won a Heisman Trophy had two or three um, two prolific seasons can play at a weight that he's not used to. And it's not just like a couple of pounds. It was like 25 pounds difference. And I just don't – I don't know. I just don't see how that's going to work personally. I, I, I can't get behind that. Now, on the pro side of things, he is slippery. He can throw the long bomb. He can – work with a bad O-line, which is what every rookie quarterback is going to need to be able to do. I think some of the biggest problems we've seen coming out of 
schools, especially these top draft picks, is that they played at schools that had very good O-lines. And so when they got to a team that was, you know, a top five pick, the O-line wasn't very good. And that was not where the money was being invested. So we had to see how they could, you know, try to be creative with how they were able to throw the football on the fly and stuff. And some quarterbacks that works out for it. Some quarterbacks it's not, but Bryce Young seems to excel at that exact uh, problem. So I don't see why he couldn't, you know, at least give us a few flash in the pan years. But I think most people are seeing like how Kyler Murray is right now that, you know, it, if it doesn't go perfect, it's just not going to work. And like I like Kyler Murray, and I still think he can come back. But when you come off of an ACL injury and you're a mainly mobile quarterback, as far as fantasy goes especially, I don't know if that's going to, you know, you can't just make it go back to be 100%. Now, there are outliers out there that have come back from ACL tears and been just as explosive as when they left. It's just not likely. So that scares me for a player that is smaller like Bryce Young because it's just going to take one injury, I think, and it's going to be uh, going to be a wrap. But Bryce Young is still going to go high, so you're still going to have to give him plenty of opportunity. Uh, our second quarterback is C.J. Stroud. Now, I think C.J. Stroud's probably booked to go number one when the Panthers traded up. I think that Frank Reich wants to work with CJ Stroud. I think that's just, I think when he was in Indy, he wanted to work with CJ Stroud. Um, But that does mean he's probably going to go number one overall. And I think they've built a pretty good team around him for him to get right off the ground and start running. Like they got a Miles Sanders, they got Adam Thielen, um, and they're going to draft some players as well to make that team a little bit better. Um. LaVisca Chenault um, for all the truthers out there. <clears throat> I'm not that mad about it. I, I think CJ Stroud's going to land in a position where a coach and, and here's the thing I've been saying, and it's going to take something from all these guys is you got to land in a situation where there's a coach that is good at developing quarterbacks and Frank Reich is one of the best. Now you can say, if you want to, the Colts have not had a very good quarterback situation for the past like three or four years. So like, what are you talking about? Thing is, most of those guys were already developed. You bring Phillip Rivers in, already developed. Carson Wentz, already developed. Nick Foles, already developed. C.J. Stroud is still in his infancy as far as a quarterback goes. He's decade younger than both all of those guys that Frank Wright's had to work with. So there's, I guess, a sense of if C.J. Stroud goes to a quarterback coach like that, then we're going to see the best of him. Now, the problem I have with C.J. Stroud and a problem I think a lot of people are overlooking, even though we've I've talked about it on this podcast, and a lot of people think about it, but they don't actually say it, is that C.J. Stroud was never a mobile quarterback. Literally, if he did not get chosen for that Georgia game in the college football playoff, if, they, if, if Ohio State wasn't in, because a lot of people thought they didn't deserve it after they got beat by Michigan, a lot of people said they didn't deserve to be there. That was the first time we've ever seen C.J. Stroud be that mobile ever. Go back and look at every single game log. Go watch film if you don't. If you want to actually have a little bit of time and can watch quarterbacks. He never runs. He will scramble every now and then for three or four yards, but he will never run like he was running in that Georgia game. So 
does that mean that that was always in the toolkit and we never used it? Or does that mean that CJ Stroud kind of, you know, had a one-off game where he was like a super mobile quarterback because Georgia was not prepared for that. Uh, that Georgia defense that they had was one of the best I've ever seen. It wasn't the best because 2021 Georgia was probably the best defense I've ever seen. Um, but see, the, the, that Georgia defense that was incredible was not prepared for what C.J. Stroud would be like running the ball, and that's what C.J. Stroud did. So we have to try to determine, was that a flash in the pan? Was that a one-off game that he never wants to actually do that? Or is that how he is going forward? I mean, is that is that the real C.J. Stroud that Ohio State apparently didn't get for the last two, three years? I don't know. All right, on to our last quarterback in this category, and he is a late riser in this situation because it was just Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud not even a month ago. But Anthony Richardson has entered the conversation. Now, there's a lot of people. We'll start with the cons first because obviously the cons are pretty obvious, and a lot of people cannot get past it. He is not a great thrower right now. That does not mean that he is not good at throwing the ball. He is not a great thrower. That means that he cannot – his accuracy right now is just what it is. <clears throat> it's not going to change until he gets to somebody who can develop it. That is the difference, and that is the scary part with him is that he is going to have to go to a situation like Josh Allen did where a quarterback coach is going to be able to work, or an offensive coordinator, day ball, whoever, is going to have to work with him and mold him into what they want him to be, which is an amazing thrower. He has the tools. He has the strongest arm in this class. He is the most mobile quarterback in this class. He is the tallest. He is the strongest. He nailed the combine. Like I've never seen a quarterback nail the combine but he can't throw and he, he's not a good thrower. I mean, and the thing about it is, is when you turn on any Florida game and if you talk to a couple of Florida fans, they weren't in love with him throwing the football. I get it. I understand what your, your problem in, is with that. I, I get it. But I, I think that Florida wasted Anthony Richardson. I don't think that Anthony Richardson was able to show who he fully was at Florida because he was very limited in the two two years that he was there and in, in how they used him. He was mainly a runner. That's not – you can use it, but you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't just use it. And they didn't have the, the weapons that was going to let him succeed the most. And I don't know, just in my opinion, we're going to look back in 10 years and be like, Florida wasted Anthony Richardson. They did not use him properly. He could have led them to national prominence. And he had a few games that were incredible, but it, it could have been better. All right, let's move on to the running back position. By the way, the winner of that category for me is C.J. Stroud, just because he's going with Frank Wright, who is going to use him the right way. Um, <clears throat> he's going to go number one overall. He's going to get the pedigree. He's going to get the opportunity. And I, I think that... I'm going to go against the, the grain and say that what happened with Georgia was a blip. But Anthony Richardson's coming, and I'm really excited for both guys. Like, I really both – Bryce Young does not excite me as much. I think if you get him, 
You're not looking at a bust. You're just looking at like, let's see, RG3, Sam Bradford, like those guys that like pop in the beginning and then they have one injury that derails everything. I'm not wishing on an injury. I don't want to be right. It just feels like that could happen. Just, I don't know, just saying. All right, let's move on to running back. We're going Bijan Robinson versus Jameer Gibbs. Um, we'll start with the negatives for Bijan. Hmm. That is an interesting quandary there. Um, the only argument I guess I have against Bijan Robinson is that when Roshan Johnson was there, his backup, um, that Roshan Johnson also had incredible games. And if you put Roshan Johnson at the number one running back for Texas, I don't think the fall off would have been a, a crazy amount between the two guys. So I guess one could argue that maybe the Texas O-line was just built different and they were able to get two guys into this draft because I think Roshan Johnson's going way too low, which he's going to, he could be able to uh, get up there pretty quick. And I think Roshan Johnson in your rookie drafts does not need to be forgotten about versus his, his, you know, his pros are that he is incredible. He's the best, uh, running back we've had since Saquon Barkley. I'm still seeing people not being able to wrap their minds around that, by the way, which is just crazy to me. It's not like Jonathan Taylor. Like he He's better than Jonathan Taylor. He's better than Najee Harris. He's he's better than all these guys. Brees Hall, he's better than all these guys. Like It's not like we're boosting up a, a running back because we want to. We're not boosting up a running back um, because we – need one to pop after all these years. It's just because we've got one now. We've, we're, we're back. We, we have one in our midst. Um, and there's a couple more coming down the pipeline that could easily be up there too. We had a bad stretch of running backs these last few years. CEH in 2019. Like, we we had some really rough stretches of running backs here um, since Saquon Barkley, since Christian McCaffrey, since those guys to where, like, don't worry. Like it's not something you need to freak out about. Bijan Robinson's going to be a legitimate running back. He's a guy that you're going to have to tailor your offense around. You're not just going to pop him on the Bills. Like that's just or the Chiefs. Like as much as as fun as that would be, you're you're not using him in that way. Like you're using him because he's a really good running back and because you need to tailor your entire offense around him. And so for that reason, he, he, you know, his pros are uh, a mile ahead. But we'll, for argument's sake, we'll bring in Jameer Gibbs. Um, and the thing about Jameer Gibbs is that I think his college tape. We'll go with the cons first. I think his college tape was very iffy. I think if you you see what you want to see, you're gonna see it. And what I mean by that is like if you want to see the bad runs for Jameer Gibbs, you're gonna see him. You're gonna see plenty of runs where he's going for two yards when he could have gotten 10. Like he could, you're going to see plenty of running runs where he falls down immediately at the line of scrimmage. You're going to see plenty of that on, on the film, but you're also going to see on the pro side of things, you're going to see he can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. Like he's a very exceptional uh, pass catcher. Um, He can break off a 60 yard run. He can, you know, he can carry an offense on his back when it comes to, you know, Austin Eckler-ing, Eckler-ing, the uh, running back position. 
And I think I wouldn't be personally surprised. It would be a bit surprising, but it won't be super surprising if like three years from now, Jameer Gibbs is the Austin Eckler of whatever team he lands on, which I, he has plenty of more uh, options than Bijan Robinson because Bijan Robinson, you got to put him on a team where they're planning to run. Like they can't just take him on a team and then just kind of hope for the best. Like he needs to go to a team that's planning to run the ball and pass infrequently, you know, looking at you Cowboys or potentially the Philadelphia Eagles or Cincinnati, since they've decided to get rid of all their running backs, like Bijan Robinson fits on those teams. Well, maybe since he would be a little weird, but he's an upgrade over the two guys they had. Um, and Jameer Gibbs would fit anywhere. I mean, honestly, even the Chiefs, even the Bills, like anywhere that you need a running back that's good at pass catching, I would suggest not putting him in a backfield with a running back. I think you just let Jameer Gibbs rip and then like just let him, let him go, let him cook. But my fear is that he's going to get paired with a running running back, and like it's not going to be exactly what you know we want. Like he's going to get added to like the Panthers or something, where like he's going to have value, but not that much value. Um, I really hope he gets into the first round. But Bijan Robinson wins this category pretty easily. All right, on to wide receiver. Um, I'll make this one quick because this wide receiver class ain't great, but it is got some gems in it i i still think the running or the wide receiver hate i i think has also gone too far i don't think that it's it's just the fact that like we don't have that one standout stellar guy that's like gonna come in and be the wide receiver one right away but plenty of the wide receivers on this list could pop zay flowers quentin johnston jsn jordan addison um, the list goes on. Like, I, I think there's plenty of guys on here that could pop. They're just not coming in pedigree wise, ready to pop. Um, so we'll go with JSN versus Quentin Johnston. Um, I took Addison off the list. I am a big Jordan Addison fan. He hasn't been right since the injury. And I just need to see more from him. If I'm going to be that much of a believer. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, Played at Ohio State, did not really play any at all in 2022, um, which I have been holding as a con against him because it not getting to see him play for an entire year is very, I don't know, I don't love it, you know, don't love it. But what we saw from the uh, combine, incredible. He didn't run, but he did do the pass-catching drills, and he looked great. I mean, he looked head and shoulders above anybody else that was there. Uh, Quentin Johnson didn't perform at the combine, but um, look, he's really tall. He's really good at the point of attack. He's good at catching. He's good at catching uh, contested balls. Um, my only problem with Quentin Johnson is that I there's games where he just completely disappeared at TCU. Um, don't love that. Don't I don't really love when the wide receiver just goes missing for an entire game, and you're like, yeah, that's a first round draft pick. Eh, okay. Weird, right? I mean, you should probably be more involved than that. Um, but it look, it could be a, a fact that Max Dugan was very uh, limited in what he was able to do. But Max Dugan had a really good college football season, and Quentin Johnson was just a another piece of the puzzle. Not necessarily the piece of the puzzle, but a piece of the puzzle. Now, he did have Splash games. I mean, what he did against, like, Kansas, for example, was incredible. I mean, go watch uh, Quentin Johnson highlights against Kansas, and you'll be like, okay, I get it. 
Um, the winner of this category is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I just I had him going number one, my number one wide receiver going into the season. It was an unfortunate injury he got against Oregon very early in the season, and then we never saw him really again. I didn't know what he would look like after a basically a year off of football. I think he looked fine. He looked 100% to me. So I will consider that a win. All right. Defensive end is where we will go next, which is Will Anderson versus Tyree Wilson versus Nolan Smith. Now, Will Anderson did not have as good of a season this year as he did in 2021. That was going around because Andre Carter also didn't have the best season that he had had since 2021. Um, the thing I will say, though, is Will Anderson, I still think, is the best defensive end in this class. I think we've talked ourselves so much into him that, like, now we've kind of, like, over-talked ourselves to, like, well, you know, maybe he – Maybe he's not, you know, bad like me. Maybe he can't. Like, we've 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 talked too much, I think, and we've gone so far as to like think he can't won't be the number one pick, which is going to be a quarterback now. Um, I've seen him go as far as like six or seven in mock drafts. I'm like, wow, that's incredible because it just does, doesn't seem right. Um, but he is an absolute freak. I don't need to really add much to that. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Also incredible. I've seen him. He, I mean, he's one of our fastest risers in this draft um, because he started out, I, I think, in the 20s. But he's worked his way up until what appears to be a top 10 draft pick. And I cannot blame anyone that has him up that high because he is incredible. I, I love Tyree Wilson. I think that um, the amount of strength he has, the amount of ability he has, what he did for Texas Tech this year was just awesome. And I'm I'm a Tyree Wilson fan, so I can't wait to see him. And then we'll add in Nolan Smith. Um, look, he was injured for half of the season. Um, I was a huge Nolan Smith fan. I, I love the Georgia defense. The Georgia defense, like, is what they've done the past two years is just simply incredible, and I don't think – that people are putting in enough historical context because this was one of the best defenses to your stretches, especially that we've ever seen. Um, Nolan Smith kind of got kicked to the curb a little bit because of like how good their team was last year, but he like, this was going to be his season to pop. And what he did at the combine was one of the best Herculean efforts I've ever seen from a defensive end. I think it would be a shame not to put him up in this conversation. He's going to go later than the other two guys. But look, Micah Parsons wins number 11 in the draft, and Micah Parsons easily the number one uh, IDP player right now. So Nolan Smith could also have some similar happen to him because um, I think Nolan Smith will go in the top 20. I, I think it would be foolish to let him out of that. And whatever team he goes for, I think he's going to immediately get in there, immediately wreck havoc. I think he's going to land on a defense that's already good, and he can just kind of like supplement that defense and then just – go straight, you know, use that as a launching pad into his IDP career. But I would not be surprised at all if Nolan Smith ended up being the best IDP player in this draft. And I don't think you all should be shocked either. The winner of this category is Will Anderson, though, because we can't – look, it's history versus mystery, right? Because we know what Will Anderson's been the past two years. It's been just one of the best players in college football overall. And Nolan Smith was pretty good last year. Was not a starter, 
was pretty good last year, was set to have a really great season this year, and then was derailed by injury. Wanted to see what that injury looked like when he was at the Combine. Didn't affect him a bit. Looked incredible at the Combine. So my vote will be for Will Anderson. <clears throat> I could argue all three of these edge rushers are going to be very IDP relevant, and I think each one of them should not escape the second round of your uh, drafts, especially depending on how your IDP settings are. Will Anderson should probably be in the first round, and I wouldn't argue against Harry Wilson or Nolan Smith maybe sneaking in those 11th, 12th picks either. That's how good they are. If your settings are pretty like equal between, I would take a flyer on one of these three guys um, over a wide receiver just straight out because I think these guys are going to be around for a decade at least because this this addresser class is just bananas. Um, all right, let's get on to the tight end conversation. I'll make this one brief because I, I tight ends are kind of a struggle to talk about, and I get it. But for dynasty purposes, it's Michael Mayer versus Dalton Kincaid. I think both players could end up in the first round of the draft. Dalton Kincaid is your better option. I need to say this from the mountain mountaintops. Dalton Kincaid is the better option. He is the better pass catcher. He is going to get on the field like sooner rather than later. Whatever team is taking him is taking him as a wide receiver. If we put him in the group with the wide receivers, we're talking that Dalton Kincaid would be in the top five of wide receivers, guaranteed. Like, if there, I don't think there's a draft analyst out there that would disagree with that. And if you're taking him, you're planning to use him as a wide receiver. Now, I get it. The other time we talked about this exact same phenomenon was when the Falcons took Kyle Pitts because Kyle Pitts was a receiving tight end. So they're going to use him as another wide receiver. Well, I'll be here to tell you, Arthur Smith did not agree with how we should use him. He seems like a frustrated college coach that doesn't want to be proven right because I'll be damned if they can't just use Drake London, who I consider the best wide receiver last year, one of them at least, and Kyle Pitts, who was the best tight end in that class, and he's just wasted him wasted them for two years three years i hate it i hate it arthur smith why are you doing this to us i i just hate it so dalton kincaid best receiving tight end in this class best like one of the best receivers in the whole country so you're gonna want to use him michael mayer on the other hand is a good player he is good at pass blocking i think that the receiving prowess is there, but it's not necessarily his strength. It, you know, Dalton Kincaid's receiving prowess is way above what Dal what uh, Michael Mayer's is. But Michael Mayer can catch the ball too. He is going to get used and utilized on those. You just cannot be an effective tight end these days, in my opinion, if you can't pass catch incredibly or you can't pass block incredibly. Now, Dalton Kincaid's pass catching is way, way, way higher than his pass blocking, but he can do both. Michael Mayers is more 50-50, and he's going to be a, a guy that can get in right away because they're going to need him for how they plan to use him, I hope. Um, so Dalton Kincaid wins this for me. If you're going into your dynasty uh, drafts at tight end, just know Dalton Kincaid is the better option than Michael Mayer. I'm just – if you need a tight end that's going to get out there and be your use as a receiver – I'm not going to Kyle Pitts the hell out of you with, well, this is what he did. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to bring up his 230 yard game in college uh, receiving. Not going to bring up all that. Just know Dalton Kincaid's your better option. He's the winner of this category for me. 
All right, last category I have. I'm not even using linebackers, by the way, because none of them are going to go in the first round. So I think it's a bit more of a crapshoot. Defensive back is where we're going to end this conversation, and it's Antonio Johnson versus Brian Branch. Now, the Brian Branch film is incredible. I am very in on the Brian Branch experience at Alabama. He was incredible. Um, I'm just in on Antonio Johnson more. I just am. Um, I think Brian Branch is going to be cover like a, a nickel cornerback basically, but as a safety. And I think Antonio Johnson is going to be a strong safety or regular free safety. And I think that your ability to get those impact plays is going to be more. I think the chances are more towards Antonio Johnson. The tackles will be more towards Brian Branch. I can see him getting four and five tackles a game. But the fumbles, the interceptions, the – I won't say sacks. That seems a little strong. But the big – you know, the big plays that, you know, got Jaquan Brisker noticed, which he got a lot of tackles too. So, I mean, I don't want to put that completely out of the, the realm of possibility. But – I think Antonio Johnson is our guy when it comes to safety. And I know that's not a popular opinion. Um, I, I've seen Antonio Johnson ranked pretty low down people's safety boards as it is. I'm telling you, I watched him at Texas Tech. I've loved what I saw. I don't think he should be a mystery in this class. I don't think he should be a guy that people aren't taking seriously. Um, so for that reason, Antonio, Brand, Brand, or Antonio Johnson wins this category for me even though I'm probably going to get hate from people because Brian Branch is going to go higher in the draft and he's probably going to get put on a good team where he can be utilized, but I don't think he's going to get put in the correct amount of situations to make the most impact plays as I think Antonio Johnson will straight away. Now I get Kyle Hamilton. We all kind of thought how he was going to – it didn't work out. Look, he got drafted to Baltimore, who in my opinion didn't necessarily need him. Uh, They kind of put him in – where they already had two safeties and they just used him as kind of a rotational third safety that would come in for certain situations. Yay. That was awesome. I love talking about Kyle Hamilton the whole preseason and then for him to go there. And I appreciate PFF for grading him out as the best rookie safety. Sure. Like I, I appreciate that shout out, even though I think we all know it was Jaquan Brisker. I will just say I think that Antonio Johnson, barring going to a team that already has two safeties, will end up being the best safety in this class. So that's all I got for you today. We didn't talk about linebackers. I'm just not going to do it. I, I appreciate everyone out there that's that's trying to fight the good fight for Trenton Simpson. He did have a really good combine. Not going to try to you know bash that at all. I just can't get there with position. It's just not a good year for linebacker. Um, If you're an edge rusher, yay, you're the ones that are the great ones in this class. But linebacker, they did not show up and show out this year. So, unfortunately, whatever linebacker we get, you know, draft capital is going to determine who's the better one of those, I think. Because whatever team drafts them, we're going to have to see how they're going to get used. So, that's all I got for you today. I really greatly appreciate you coming in and listening to this today. Um, if whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on the podcast feed, whether it's you know whichever fo- podcast feed you listen to this on, I greatly appreciate it and thank you so much. So that's all I got for you today. I will be back probably next week, and we are going to get further into this draft because it is coming, folks. I mean, April is right around the corner, so it's going to get hot and heavy here in these streets, and we have trades that still have to be made 
for us to figure out exactly where all these players are going to go. But thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day.